Get to Old Navy Saturday and Sunday just in time for back to school. Girls and boys polos are three bucks in stores only. Plus, Saturday only jeans are ten bucks for adults, seven bucks for kids at Old Navy and Old Navy.com. Valid eight ten to eight eleven. Limit five polos. Select styles only. Hello and welcome. It's another episode of the Under the Dome podcast. I'm your host, Ben Belden. You can find me on Twitter at bbelden330. And I'm solo tonight. And it's going to be fun. I kind of decided to uh, do this podcast sort of last minute. Sometimes it's difficult to track down a co-host just depending on the time and situation. Since it was so last minute, you're stuck with me. So make sure you're checking us out, the Under the Dome podcast, all over the internet. All right. If you're coming to us from a different platform than you're not comfortable with, just know that we are all over the interweb, all over the airwaves, if you will. We do a live show from time to time. That can be found at Spreaker.com. Search Under the Dome podcast. We're also on all of the normal podcast places. Places like iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Podbean, and Stitcher. So if you're coming to us from a different place than you normally would consume your content, know that we're over there as well. If you're looking for links to all of those things, I've got one link that has that houses all of the rest of them. Underthedomend.com. Go there, bookmark it. Our latest episode is always front and center. And then it's really easy to click the links to all of the rest of the platforms over there. Also, speaking of links and platforms and things, we're continuing to add to the Under the Dome podcast, and I've been teasing this for a while, and I promise you guys it's almost here. Some of you have asked about it. My mother, I know, is really interested probably to come like actually watch me, and what that means is that we are adding a live stream show at Twitch TV. So, the link for that is over at underthedomend.com. The eventual link will then be twitch.tv slash underthedome underscore nd. So if you are a Twitch user, you want to go ahead and you know tune in over there. We haven't obviously done a show yet. But if you want live interaction with the show, that's going to be the way that we try first. You can download the Twitch app, apparently, from what I am told when we go live, you will get a notification that we are going live. You can tune in. You can watch the show. You can comment. You can ask questions. And like I say, the live aspect of that show will be interesting and another layer to our show that we're really excited about moving forward. So that's Twitch. All that stuff out of the way, I've got one more thing. And this is something that we've gotten away from a little bit. Um we have a voicemail line over at the Under the Dome podcast. If you want to hear your voice heard on this podcast, call 812-624-5276. Save that number in your contacts. Immediately after a Notre Dame game, you can call that number walking out of the stadium. Raw emotion is what I go for. 
But if you want to censor yourself, you know, that's fine too. But if you have things to react to, call that number. I'll play it on the line. Eventually, when we go to some more of the live information, we are going to make that into not just a voicemail line, but also a call-in line. That number, again, is 812-624-5276. So that being said, we are going to record a Virginia Tech show later on this week. If you have something that you want to say about Virginia Tech, about Notre Dame, Insight, observations, questions, whatever it is, I want to hear it. Call that number. Here's it. Here it is, the last time, 812-624-5276. Call that number. I'll play it on the line. Make sure you leave your name and where you're from and that type of thing, and we'll go from there. All right. I think all of that's out of the way now. Ready to talk Notre Dame and Stanford, but before we do that, I got to pay the bills. The Under the Dome podcast is thankful to the great people at Electrosound who graciously donated audio equipment and accessories to help make this podcast sound awesome. If you're in the market for audio consulting, the purchasing or renting of equipment, or any other audio needs, make sure that you check out their website at electrosound.com. That's E-L-E-C-T-R-I sound.com. And we're back. So we got Notre Dame and Stanford to talk about. And I'm going to keep it real with you guys. There's not a lot to talk about. Because, well, Notre Dame's good at football. And when Notre Dame's good at football, it sort of seems like it's just really easy to talk about these things. When they're bad and when things aren't going well, there are more things to talk about. Suffice it to say that Notre Dame is playing offense and defense really well. And... I can't complain, so this is going to be a short podcast, but I've got to toot my own horn just a little bit, had to come on the on the airwaves, if you will, if you will, and just talk about how smart I am, I'm kidding, but in all seriousness, this game did go just about how I thought it would from a standpoint of, I said on the most recent podcast that I recorded with Paul Walsh that this game was going to go along the lines of the way that the Notre Dame-USC game went from a year ago. To a certain extent, I was right. I even, you know, I elaborated. I said I didn't think the Notre Dame would blow Stanford out quite the way they did USC, but it wasn't going to end up being particularly close. My actual score prediction for the game that I wrote over at slapthesign.com was Notre Dame 38, Stanford 21. I'm just going to go ahead and say, obviously, I wasn't perfect, but I was darn close. And it went about exactly how I thought it would, because it's the way that Notre Dame has won games throughout the year. Good offense up front, defense that holds their water, defense that keeps the game under control, offense that then, and this is the part that has been added since Ian Book has been under the helm, offense pulls away at the end. And, um, you know, as it was sitting at 24-17, to I thought to myself, well, this is exactly how the Michigan game went, except Notre Dame just didn't score to put the game away. I wonder if Notre Dame's going to score with Ian Book. And that's exactly what happened. Um, And they even added, you know, some like a defensive interception by Tavon Coney that set up their last score. And Notre Dame wins this game going away 38-17. to 
I said before the game that I thought this game, like I say, was going to get out of hand because Stanford's offensive line, just as I thought they would be, was not very good. Bryce Love bottled up the entire game. 17 carries, 73 yards, but 39 of those came on one carry. So you take away one carry for 39 yards, which is the play that he scored on in the first quarter, and you have 16 carries, 44 yards. It's not a lot. Bryce Love was bottled up. Notre Dame defensive backs did a pretty good job on those big receivers. Colby Parkinson got loose for one catch, 31 yards. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, five catches, 30 yards. Osiris St. Brown, one catch, 45 yards. Trevor Irwin, five catches, 57 yards. So Stanford had a couple plays, don't get me wrong. But for the most part, they bottled Bryce Love. They kept extra guys in the box. They made sure that they weren't going to beat him that way. They gave up a couple plays, but it was bend but don't break for the most part. And the Irish ended up winning. And when you look at the team stats, the box score, it wasn't particularly close. Notre Dame 29 first down, Stanford 10. Notre Dame converted 9 of 17 on third down. And this was something that I said was going to be a major key was Notre Dame's nickel package. I wrote an article about it earlier in the week. And I thought that how Notre Dame performed on third down was going to decide how the game went. Stanford went 3 of 13 on third down against the Irish. Coming into that game, Notre Dame was giving up something like they had given up 30 out of 70 third downs, which was 43%, which was you know towards the bottom of FBS teams. And then they come in, and you know I'm not a math major by any means, but 3 of 13 is less than 25%. Let's put it that way. Notre Dame outgained Stanford, 550 yards to 229, 278 to 174 passing. Notre Dame had two more yards per pass. They didn't turn the ball over. Stanford did. Notre Dame rushed for 272 yards. Stanford, their total, 55 yards, 24 attempts. Now, a lot of those were sacks. Most of those sacks were by uh, my boy Jerry Tillery. The bottom line is, no matter how you slice it, oh, here's one more stat for you. Time of possession, Notre Dame 34-23, Stanford 25-37. So no matter how you slice it, Notre Dame statistically, and even by the eye test, dominated Stanford. And it never even felt like, even though Notre Dame, you know, they went into halftime up a touchdown, they were leading in the fourth quarter, 24 to 17. I just thought that Notre Dame had this game in control. It never really thought felt like to me that Stanford was going to be able to do anything that was going to tie this game or take the leads. Had complete and utter confidence in Notre Dame the whole time. And as I say that, I don't remember when the last time that was with a Notre Dame team in all seriousness. So I don't know. I don't know. It was dominant. It was a dominant performance. And that's just all there is to it. You know, we're in, we've played five games now. We've got Virginia Tech coming up. It's going to be an interesting matchup in Blacksburg and all of that. There, there are new, I guess, hurdles for Notre Dame. You know, uh, this hurdle against Virginia Tech is, you know, a substantial one, 
but one that I think if you know they stay true to who they are and what their identity is, they'll be fine. And then they've got, you know, five games away from Notre Dame Stadium through the final seven, which is going to be difficult. But the more you look at some of those teams, the more you realize that Notre Dame matches up really well against some of those teams. And the more Notre Dame plays, the better you feel about them as a football team. And the more you start to get convinced, or at least this is from my perspective, that Notre Dame is pretty good. And so, you know... I guess I could end the podcast right there, 12 minutes in. To elaborate on a few things, I suppose, I want to talk about Ian Book. First of all, a lot has been you know, made of Brandon Wimbush, Ian Book, Brian Kelly, why Brian Kelly didn't play Ian Book at the beginning of the year. Is there going to be a package for Brandon Wimbush ever? Is there going to be a situation where Brandon Wimbush finds himself on the field in another position? Listen. My message to Notre Dame fans about some of these things is, can we just enjoy the nice things that we do have before we start calling for wildcat packages with Brandon Wimbush? Before we start talking about Brandon Wimbush as a slot receiver, first of all, I want to put Brandon Wimbush as a different position to bed. All right. They are not moving Brandon Wimbush in the season, first of all. It's just not going to happen. And there's a far more likely scenario where Brandon Wimbush transfers, graduate transfers after this year, after he gets his degree, than there is him moving to being a receiver or a running back. Let's be honest here. That said, Ian Book. What's the difference between Ian Book and Brandon Wimbush? Well, I think through two weeks now, first of all, you know, we talked about all the time about how Ian Book does things that are better than Brandon, and he also struggles in areas where Brandon, you know, didn't necessarily struggle in the past. now the way that he struggles is he's not quite as athletic he's not going to get as many yards when you know he pulls the ball in on a uh, rpo and he decides to keep it himself you saw that against stanford you didn't necessarily see that against wake he looked almost as good of a runner against wake but you saw stanford catch up to him a little bit plays that brandon might maybe would have turned into a five to seven yard game brandon's getting one or two on but I don't know, just the way that Ian, and I wrote about this, that the major difference is that Ian is willing and able to trust in the game plan. He believes on in who he is. The coaches believe in who he is. And all he's going to do is just read the defense and make the throw and worry about letting his receivers, his runners, the pass catchers, and the people around him make plays and he himself is going to get out of the way of what they're able to do. And I feel as if Brandon Wimbush, just to a very large extent, wasn't that guy. Brandon wanted to make the big play. He wanted to, when he was back in the pocket for a long time, instead of pulling it down and getting five yards, he wanted to scramble he wanted to roll he wanted to keep his eyes downfield he wanted to throw it deep he wanted to make the big play 
And while that was nice in certain times, and while that got him to be eventually a 12-3 and recorded starter for the University of Notre Dame at quarterback, it wasn't going to sustain what Chip Kelly did on offense. Ian Book, I can't say that a quarterback at Notre Dame has played at the same high level that Ian Book is playing at since, man, I don't know, Jimmy Clausen. Um, Deshaun Kaiser certainly had games, but it, you know, especially in 2015 where he was more of a game manager, he had games where the stats were good. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm sure I'm missing someone, and because I'm just sort of having one of those moments where. I started saying something, and now I can't remember, and someone on Twitter is going to tell me how much of an idiot I am. That's okay. You can do that. I can handle it. But Ian Book is playing at a super high level, just a level that you have to be happy with as far as Notre Dame is concerned. Um, You know, I said it on the last podcast, and this was kind of a point that Paul made. With Ian Book, certainly you're not going to get the same type of deep throws Certainly you're not going to get some of the athletic playmaking. Certainly you're not going to get some of that stuff that you get with Brandon Wimbush. But you're also not going to get three, four, five games. I'm sorry, three, four, five throws per game where you look and you say, what in the world was he looking at that should have been intercepted? As we put it before, it's almost not even the throws that Ian makes. It's, to a certain extent, the throws that he doesn't make. That, you know, if you were going to draw up a game plan going into Stanford, you draw it up in a way that you want your defense to hold steady, you want your offense to score enough early to keep pace, you want your defense to continue to dominate through the make and make adjustments through the second half, and then you want your offense to put it away at the end. I mean, that's the dream scenario, yeah? And that's exactly what Notre Dame did against Stanford. I could sound like a broken record and continue to go on with this, but, you know, the offense is humming right now. And Dexter Williams, I want to make sure I talk about Dexter. I was going to stop talking about the offense and realize I hadn't even mentioned number two's name. How great is it now to have a guy that can turn a couple-yard gain into a 45-yard touchdown because I'm not 100% sure that any of Notre Dame's other running backs, the first time Dexter touched the ball, 45 yards to a score, not sure any any of Notre Dame's other running backs make that play. Jafar Armstrong's getting close to being an elusive guy like that. Dexter Williams right now is adding and will continue to add another layer to Notre Dame's offense and – Credit to one of my fellow Slap the Sign writers, Nathan Erbach, for basically writing that, those exact words, in an article that he had ready for a couple of weeks. Perfect assumption by him that Notre Dame needed Dexter Williams, and it showed, because I don't know that Notre Dame has the same success running the football to the tune of running to, you know, 272 yards rushing against Stanford without Dexter Williams. I I mean, I think Dexter Williams' yards per carry were, let's see, he had 21 carries for, I'm looking at the wrong side, 
161 yards. That's 7.7 yards a carry. The rest of the team, running back-wise, Tony Jones, 10 carries, 40 yards. Avery Davis, 4 carries, 14 yards. Jameer Smith, good to see him get in the game. 4 carries, 12 yards. You add that all together, that is 18 carries, 66 yards, which is between 3 and 4 yards a carry. I'm no math major, like I said earlier. My mental math is fairly strong. (laughs) But between 3 and 4 yards per carry compared to Dexter Williams averaging 7.7 yards a carry against Stanford, I might add. Against the number 7 team in the country, I might add. How exciting is that? Going forward, I want to talk about Notre Dame as a college football playoff contender. Now, a lot of people told me that I was kind of nuts earlier this year when I was predicting 11 and 1 with the next likely scenario being 10 and 2. I'll accept your apologies in either written form or via Twitter. Um but Notre Dame is that good. Notre Dame is that good. And I don't see Notre Dame is a legitimate college football contender. The first college football playoff um, rankings come out, I believe it's after week eight. Um, so Notre Dame has their sixth game this Saturday against Virginia Tech. They come back to Notre Dame to play Pittsburgh, I believe, the week after that, if I'm not mistaken. And then they have their bye week, and then that's when the college football playoff rankings will come out. If I'm wrong on that, you know, don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure that's how it works. Um, I would expect, to be honest, you know, Notre Dame's ranked sixth in the AP poll, which is kind of useless to a certain extent. But when the first college football playoff rankings come out, wouldn't surprise me to see if Notre Dame is in, I don't know, is in the top four, to be honest with you, because here's how I figure. First of all, three of the teams that are above Notre Dame currently are in the SEC, and obviously that is not going to hold true. Alabama has to play um, LSU. you got to figure one of those teams is going to knock the other one out. Um Unfortunately, if I'm not mistaken, Alabama and Georgia don't play in the regular season. They may just well play in the SEC title game. But the way it works out, you got to figure, let's just put it this way, that at least one of those teams is going to have two losses. So at most, you're getting two SEC teams in. That being said... You know, I don't know that that happens necessarily before the first college football playoff, but if you really get a good look at Notre Dame's resume and you stack it up against the resume of pretty much any other team in college football, well, let's just say you can't. Because even though we looked at Notre Dame's schedule early on in the year, even though we thought that it was going to be a real uphill climb for Notre Dame to run the table for a lot of reasons. Even though we thought these things, it's looking more and more like there is 
the chance that Notre Dame runs the table. And I got to credit the Athletic and Pete Sampson, who tweeted this earlier today, wins over current AP top 25 teams. The whole SEC conference, four wins. The whole Pac-12 conference, two wins. The whole Big Ten conference, two wins. The whole Big 12 conference, one win. Conference USA has one. The ACC has zero. BYU has one. Notre Dame has two wins over current AP top 25 teams, which, like I say, is the same as the Pac-12 combined, the same as the Big Ten combined, and more than the Big 12 and more than the ACC. Let's put it that way. So it'll be interesting to see, I guess, if Notre Dame's able to knock off Virginia Tech. They avoid the slip-up against Pittsburgh. It'll be interesting to see where they fall in those first rankings. Do those two games, Ball State and Vanderbilt, hurt them in the first couple rankings? They might. They might. But I think the win over Michigan, the way that they have bounced back with Ian Book scoring 56 points against Wake Forest, the way that they convincingly beat Stanford, who might be the best team in the Pac-12, the way that they are able to do those types of things, I think that bodes well for Notre Dame's resume. So for those of you that are saying the things that Notre Dame's resume continues to keep it, take a hit, what if Notre Dame, you know, runs the table and all of these teams, you know, there are five undefeateds and Notre Dame's one and they don't get to play in a conference championship. It's just, I don't know that it's going to happen that way. I, I don't think if, you know, I don't see a way in where Notre Dame runs the table that they're not in. If they get 11-1, and one, I still think that they have a pretty good resume. And at that point, obviously, they would need some help. They'd need to see what the other teams were doing. It just sort of depends. But Notre Dame's resume is looking better and better each week because Stanford is pretty good. They could win the Pac-12, theoretically. Pittsburgh is bad. Navy's bad. Let's mark off some of these bad teams. Vandy's not real great. Ball State's bad, but Virginia Tech could be okay. They could play in the ACC tournament. Not the ACC tournament, the ACC championship game. Despite having lost to Old Dominion, it doesn't hurt them in their ACC standings. There are just a lot of reasons for Notre Dame to look at their resume and be proud about what they've done if they are able to manage to manage the rest of the schedule. That said, we're at the 27-minute mark of this podcast. I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up because, like I say, when they're, when Notre Dame's good, it's easy to keep it short and concise. This was sort of a spur-of-the-moment podcast to get a couple things off of my chest. Um, we will be back this week to talk Notre Dame-Virginia Tech it's Notre Dame's, you know, the next biggest game is always, you know, the next game is always the biggest game for Notre Dame, the way that the schedule is going to lay out. But it's Notre Dame's last, like, real big test before they get Pittsburgh in a bye week. So to a large extent, I think um, I, this, is, this is a huge game for Notre Dame, obviously. That said, make sure you're checking us out all over the web. Like I said at the beginning, UnderTheDomeND.com is the easiest way that you can do this. I have been your host, Ben Belden. Thanks for sticking with me, with me through this podcast. Like I say, I just wanted to get a podcast out there so you guys didn't think that I had forgotten about you and that you know we were moving on without podcasts. Keep some of the momentum going and that type of thing. Like I said earlier, if you are 
interested in the Notre Dame podcast and you are a Notre Dame fan and you know other Notre Dame fans who do not yet know about the podcast, please let them know. Um, that's the that's the biggest thing. Obviously, the the iTunes reviews and the Google Play reviews and all that that's really cool. Um, but I think you know word of mouth is the best advertiser. So if you know somebody that would really like this podcast, uh, I'll let them know. Again, we've got that voicemail line. Utilize it. That number is 812-624-5276. All that being said, thanks for tuning in. We'll be back soon. We're going to be rolling out some of the live Twitch and YouTube things in the very, very near future. So stay tuned for that. UnderTheDomeND.com. Check us out. Subscribe. Do all of that stuff. I appreciate you. Thanks for listening, and until next time, go Irish. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery.